First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, would you turn with me to Psalm 100? Psalm 100. Uh, in fact, if you uh, just open your Bible to the middle page of your Bible, you should be within just a few pages of, of Psalm 100 and should have no trouble finding it from there. Uh, we're taking a break today from our study of Second Samuel to look at Psalm 100 uh, because this whole service today is a Thanksgiving uh, service. And in a few minutes, we're going to come to uh, the table of the Lord today and to take the Lord's Supper and to thank the Lord for uh, His cross. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to look at this great psalm together and uh, just remind ourselves of, of some more of the reasons that we have to, to thank the Lord today. Uh, this psalm is short and to the point. Uh, like you're probably hoping this sermon is going to be, all right? It only has uh, five verses in it, uh, but it has always been one of the most uh, loved of all of the Psalms in the Bible. And let's read it together. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Father, we praise you today. We thank you today because you are good. And we pray even with thanksgiving this week, Lord, that you would Prepare our hearts, Father. You would set our hearts today on your goodness, that we might see that more clearly. Father, that we might praise you as a grateful people in this place today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, uh, if you were here, I talked about how much I love uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, and I love Thanksgiving because there are four F's associated with it, and I love all of them. Uh, the first is faith. Uh, the second is family, the third is football, and the fourth is food. And, uh, and regarding that last F of food, I don't know how it works in, in your family, but usually uh, I have no responsibilities whatsoever in the making of the food. My only responsibility is to eat it. Is there anybody else out there that you have, you're not trusted at all to make any of the food for Thanksgiving? Amen. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, but, but I am so thankful for those who labor and, and work for sometimes for days to make the food for Thanksgiving. Again, my family doesn't trust me to do that. I don't think they would want to eat the food if I uh, made it, unless they want a Thanksgiving hot dog. I could probably, probably do that. Uh, but, but I'm just amazed at how much uh, there is to remember if you are kind of that main chef in your family that prepares uh, the Thanksgiving meal. You have to think about all the, the things you're going to make, all the ingredients. You have to remember those. You have to remember to buy them. Remember to have them there. You have to remember the, the cooking times for everything that you're making uh, to have everything uh, come out at the right time. It, it is a lot to remember uh, again, for those of us who don't prepare any of the food, there is literally nothing to remember, except for what time to sit down at the table, I think, and maybe what time kickoff is. We've got to remember those couple of things. That's it. But, but, but when we look at Psalm 100 today in the Word of God, uh, I want us to see a couple of Thanksgiving reminders. 
Now, there's a couple of things that for all of us, whether you prepare the food or you don't prepare the food, a couple of things that we all need to remember. And first off, in the first three verses of this psalm, uh, we are told that we need to remember to praise our God, to praise our God. That's more important than the turkey. Uh, it's more important than the dressing and the cranberry sauce. We need to remember this week and every week to praise our great God and Savior because he is worthy of our praise. And in the opening lines of this psalm, it gives us several ways uh, that we can praise our God. First off, the psalmist says, let's praise him by shouting. Verse 1 says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Now, some translations will say make a joyful noise there, but literally the word means to shout. Uh, So we're being invited and even commanded here to shout out to the Lord uh, in a joyful praise. Uh, But if we're being honest, that's probably not something we actually do all that often. I mean, when is the last time that you literally shouted out to the Lord in praise of him? I think for most of us, uh, we don't even think of shouting. When we first hear that word, uh, we don't think of a positive uh, thing at all. It's not really a positive connotation. When we think of shouting, we think, it, uh, we think of angry shouting. We think of things we're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to, to shout at your kids. You don't want to be that, uh, that parent that's shouting at the umpire at the Little League field. You don't want to be that person with road rage that's shouting uh, at the car next to you. And, and so many times when we think of shouting, we think that's not something that we want to be a part of. Uh, My wife, uh, Megan, and I have four sons, all under the age of 10. I'm not sure if we're the only parents that ever have their kids get upset at each other and start to yell at each other, but that does happen in in our home. And so we have to get on to our kids uh, frequently about that. And we tell our kids there's only two uh, reasons why you should really ever shout. Uh, One is if you are hurting and you're being injured, uh, and the other one is if you are in danger. But as I read this psalm, I realized that uh, what we've been telling them is actually incomplete. That the psalmist tells us here there is a third time when it's okay to shout. It's okay to shout out in praise uh, to our God because of how awesome our God really is. In fact, not only is it okay, we're commanded here to do that, to shout to the Lord. But again, friend, when is the last time you did that? When's the last time you were just uh, just so overjoyed? with something that God did in your life that you just couldn't contain yourself. You just shouted out to him. When was the last time you were reading the Bible and you came across something that it said about God, some characteristic of him, some insight that you had in the word and, and you couldn't restrain your enthusiasm and you just shouted out to the Lord. Nobody else there but you and the Lord, but you just shouted out to him and you just said something like hallelujah or praise the Lord or God, you are so good. God, there is no one like you. You're the only kind of God who could do something like this. When's the last time that, that happened? I, I know you might say, or some of us might say, I, you know, I don't know, that just, that makes me feel kind of uncomfortable. I didn't grow up shouting. I, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up as a Baptist. I know as a Baptist, our motto is, I don't dance, I don't shout, I just sit on my hands and pout, right? And so, I mean, I get it, I understand. But look, the psalmist does not say, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, unless you're a Baptist. No, he says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. And you know what? There's nothing like practice. Practice makes perfect. I'm going to put a phrase up here on the board, all right? 
It just says, praise the Lord. All right, that's pretty simple. And we're just going to practice this. I want us to practice just shouting out a joyful shout. And I know we've got some Sunday school classes going on around here. I want them to wonder what is going on, what has gotten into them in the worship center. Why are they shouting like this? I know the kids are going to love this, right? Because all the time in church, your parents tell you, shh, 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 right? This is the one time you don't have to shh, right? You can just shout as loud as you can. The preacher said so, all right? So on the count of three, as loud as we can. One, two, three. Man, that was pretty good. That was almost like you enjoyed that. And you know what? We should praise the Lord, right? Because we have an awesome God. Charles Spurgeon has said, our happy God should be praised by his happy people. We have a reason to shout, to praise the Lord. It reminds me of the time when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and people and even the children were shouting out his praise and shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, didn't like it. And they said, Jesus, you need to quiet them now and you need to get them to stop shouting like that. You remember what Jesus said? He said, right now, at this very moment, if I were to tell them to be quiet, the very rocks would start to cry out in praise of who I am. Let's not let the rocks have to cry out in our place. Let's shout to the Lord. That's one of the ways we should praise him. Secondly, we should praise him by serving. We praise him by shouting. We praise him by serving. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. And the word serve means to labor. It means to work. And in the context of this particular psalm, our service is done as we worship the Lord. That's uh, part of how we serve him is by worshiping him with other believers. That's where our service to the Lord starts. But as one person said, that's not where our service to the Lord ends. And we do serve him with our lips by shouting, as we just talked about, by singing, as we're going to talk about in a moment. But all of our praise of the Lord is not just done with our lips, is it? All of our service to the Lord isn't just done with our lips. It's also done with our feet. It's done with our hands. It's done with our sweat. It's done by giving of our time and our money and our energy and our enthusiasm. God does not just want us to come in here once a week and yell out, praise the Lord, and think that our service to the Lord is done. He wants us to serve him uh, and serve others in his name. Uh, For the Christian uh, who has experienced God's grace, serving the Lord should not be a drudgery, should it? That's why it says, serve the Lord with gladness, with gladness. And there are so many folks in our church that I can mention that I just see uh, doing exactly that, serving the Lord with gladness. I don't want to embarrass him, but one man, if you haven't met him, you need to meet him. And uh, his name is Frank Peoples. He's right over here to my left. And he serves as the chairman of our deacons. You'll see him up here in just a minute helping to serve the Lord's Supper. But I'd say Frank is a man who loves the Lord Jesus, who serves the Lord Jesus with gladness. I'll tell you this, if I'm ever in in a down mood, I know all I have to do is pick up the phone and call Frank. Because if I call Frank, I know he's somebody who's just gonna remind me of what it means to serve the Lord with joyfulness, to serve the Lord with gladness. The fact that it is a privilege, isn't it? It's an honor to be able to serve the king that we have the privilege to serve every day. And so let's serve him with gladness. And, you know, with Thanksgiving this week, uh, maybe just uh, ask the Lord how he would have you to serve him this week. I don't know what the Lord would lead you to do this week. Maybe he would ask you to reach out to someone who doesn't have a family here, doesn't have a place to spend Thanksgiving and invite them, include them in your celebration of Thanksgiving 
later this week. Maybe the Lord would have you do something for somebody uh, less fortunate than you this week. I'm not sure. When you ask the Lord that question, I'm sure that he'll give you something, a way that you can serve him. That's part of how we praise the Lord, by serving him with gladness. Here's the third way that we can praise him. I mentioned it a moment ago. We can praise him by singing, by singing. Look at verse 2 again. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You know, even before we talk about singing, I want to talk about where it says, come before his presence. Now, what an amazing reality that we as the people of God, because of his grace in our life, even get to come into the presence of our God. And not only do we get to come into his presence once a week, but because the Holy Spirit lives within us, we are always in his presence. He says, come into his presence with singing. Now again, in this psalm, it's a picture of believers coming into the temple of the Lord, praising him together. It's a picture of believers doing exactly what we've been doing in this worship service, singing together in his presence to the Lord. Earlier in our service, we had an opportunity to do that, to sing praise to the Lord. And we'll have an opportunity in a few minutes later in our service to do the same thing, to sing to the Lord. Uh, but, I, but I know, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I know because occasionally, now not as much as David is during the singing time, but sometimes I'm here at the front and I'm able to, to look out and to see, and not all of y'all are singing. <laughs> not everyone in here is singing. There are times when you are just standing and everybody else is singing. Now, I don't claim to know your heart before the Lord. There, there could be different reasons for that. Maybe it could be because you don't know the song. Uh, you know, there might be some in here who, um, you're just here kind of investigating what it even means to be a follower of Christ. You're here asking that question. And so you don't want to sing something that you don't yet believe, that you don't yet mean. And you know what? I appreciate that. I actually respect that. But my prayer for you is that one day soon, you would come to know personally the one that we're singing to. And he would fill you with such joy that you would want to sing praises to him that you wouldn't even be able to keep it in. But, but what I don't understand, though, is a Christian who truly does know the Lord who just never wants to sing to the Lord at all. I know somebody might push back on that, and somebody might say, well, you know, the reason I don't sing is because I am a terrible singer. And I do it out of kindness and love to the person sitting beside me. I don't know, maybe your singing is so bad you even feel bad for the bar of soap in the shower when you sing in there. I'm not sure how it is for you. I know not all of us were blessed with a beautiful singing voice, but the psalmist doesn't say come before the Lord with good singing. He just says come before the Lord with singing. For my part, I don't care if you change keys 18 times in the same song, and the truth of the matter is I don't think the Lord much minds that either, because what he cares about is your heart, and singing praise to the Lord does something even to our own heart. To join with other believers and to sing his praise is something that we were made to do. Again, if you're worried about what somebody next to you thinks about your singing, don't worry about that. We're not on the voice in here, right? This is not a a singing competition. We're singing to the Lord. It reminds me of a few weeks ago when we studied that passage of David in, in 2 Samuel dancing before the ark as it came into Jerusalem. And remember his wife looking at him out of that a bedroom window and judging him and giving him what for when he came to his house. And remember how David replied to her. David said, well, I wasn't doing it for anybody else. I was dancing with all my might before the Lord. 
And then he said to her this, he said, I will be even more undignified than this. And so if you feel bad about uh, your bad singing, you know, don't worry about that person. If you feel like they're judging you next to you, you can just turn to, to the person next to you and say, listen, I will sing even worse than this. All right? In fact, practice that. Turn to the person on your right and say, I will sing even worse than this. All right? Because we're not doing it for the people around us. We're doing it for the Lord. We're lifting up our voice in praise of God, and, and we need to do that together. But I'd also encourage you to do this. If you've, never, if you've never sang to the Lord in your own private devotional time with him, I'd encourage you to do that. After you read the word, after you pray, to take a minute, there's nobody around to judge your singing, it's just you and the Lord, and just sing a worship song to him. If you only remember half of it, sing half of it. And try that even this week and see what that does for your soul, to sing to the Lord, to come before his presence with singing. Verse 3 starts out by saying, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And we're talking about singing and shouting and uh, all the rest, but we need to know the one that we're singing and shouting to. He is the Lord. He is the God of heaven and earth. And he is the one who has made us, not we ourselves. And that's something that should be obvious to every one of us as a child of God in this place that we did not make ourselves, but it's such a humbling reminder every time you read a verse like this, isn't it? To remember, I didn't just appear. I'm not here on my own. I didn't just arrive here. I was made by the Lord. He is the one who created me. He's the one who fixed the times of my life and where I should dwell. Every time my heart beats, it's because the Lord makes it beat. He is the one who right now is sustaining and upholding my very life. Just remembering that truth puts our heart in the right posture to praise and to thank the Lord. And then at the end of verse 3, the psalmist says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So we praise the Lord by shouting, by serving, by singing, and then number four, by sheeping, by sheeping. Now, I know that's not a real word, at least I don't think it is, but I needed another S word, and so there it is. But We need to remember that he is our shepherd. We are his sheep. One of the ways that we praise the Lord is by following our shepherd. You know, it's really not a compliment when the Bible calls us a sheep. If you've studied sheep very much, you know that a sheep, I mean, to put it bluntly, a sheep is just dumb. Sheep's, (laughs) sheep get lost easily. Uh, Sheep uh, will eat in the same spot of ground. Uh, unless there is a shepherd to move them on, even when there's no grass left to eat. A sheep is totally defenseless. They need a protector. They need a savior. And throughout the Bible, we are called the sheep, and the Lord is called our shepherd. Probably the most famous place we read that is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. But we see this beautiful theme in the New Testament as well. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, He is our good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But listen to what Jesus says at the very beginning of chapter 10. He says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Sheeping means that we recognize our Savior's voice and we follow him. 
wherever he leads us. Friend, if you know Christ, if you're a part of his people, then Jesus is your shepherd, and you're one of his sheep. And this truth is one of the reasons why we should praise God, but it's also one of the ways that we can praise God, by sheeping after him, by following him as a shepherd leads us on. And so where is your shepherd leading you? What what have you heard him saying to you lately? What is your shepherd telling you to start? What's your shepherd telling you to stop? Where is your shepherd calling you to go? Who is your shepherd calling you to tell about him? Listen for his voice. Let's, let's, Let's do that. Let's sheep well this holiday season and follow our shepherd's voice. We've talked about praising the Lord by sheeping, by singing, by serving, by shouting. We need to remember that. We need to remember to praise the Lord. But in verses 4 and 5, we also read something else we need to remember this Thanksgiving as well, and it's right in the name Thanksgiving. We need to remember to thank the Lord. That's what verse 4 commands us to do. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise Be thankful to him and bless his name. Again, this psalm uh, very well would have been sung as worshipers made their way into the temple to worship the Lord, to offer their sacrifices. That's why the psalmist says, as you walk through these gates and as you enter into these courts, do so with thanksgiving on your lips and praise in your hearts. And of course, there's an application in that for every time we walk into this room. We should walk into this room with thankfulness and praise. But again, as we said earlier, the the Bible tells us that as believers who live on this side of the cross, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. And because he does, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is we are always in his gates. We are always in his courts. And so what does that mean for how often we should be thanking the Lord? It means we should be thanking the Lord always. And isn't that what Paul told us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, when he wrote this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As the psalmist puts it here, be thankful to him and bless his name. You know, as believers, we have lots and lots of things to thank the Lord for. We just have to have the right perspective on the things that are in our life. I heard about a Sunday school teacher who asked her class uh, one day uh, what they were thankful for. And one of the little boys in her class said, I'm thankful for my glasses. That kind of surprised the teacher. And she said, because she knew most most little boys, they, they hated wearing their glasses. He said, well, why are you thankful for your glasses? He said, well, I'm thankful for them because they keep the boys from hitting me and they keep the girls from kissing me. <laughs> it's pretty good. I can hear one of my kids saying something about like that. You know, it's really about having the right perspective on the things that are in our life. You know, a good thing to do every now and then in the week of Thanksgiving would be an ideal time to do it. It's just to get alone for... 30 minutes or an hour or so, just take a sheet of paper and a pencil and sit down and just make a list. All the things that you're thankful for. That's something good to do all the time. When you feel a grumbling, complaining spirit coming up in your heart at any time during the year, it's a good idea to take out a piece of paper again and just write down again the things that you have to be thankful for. There is no antidote for a grumbling spirit 
like a heart of thankfulness, remembering the things that God has blessed us with. The old song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And when we list off those reasons that we have to be thankful for for the Lord, don't forget to mention the things that the psalmist tells us right here in verse 5, because all of these still apply to us. So let's thank the Lord for being good to us. Again, verse 4 says, be thankful to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. And he has been good to us. And his goodness to us is not because you are good. It's not because I am good. It's because the Lord is good. That's one of the qualities, one of the characteristics of the Lord is he is good. When the Lord is good to us, the Lord is just being himself. That's who the Lord is. That doesn't mean, of course, that everything that happens in our life will be good. It doesn't mean every circumstance in our life will be good. But we serve a Lord who is able to take things that aren't good and turn them for our good and to use them as a part of his good plan that he has to bless us, to save us, to make us more and more like the Lord Jesus. So we thank him for being good. Let's thank him also for being merciful and being loving. Verse 5 says, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Now the word translated mercy there is one of the most important words in the Bible. It's the Hebrew word hesed. And really, it's a word that one English word cannot even fully translate. All of the nuances that are in that Hebrew word hesed, it means to be merciful. It means to be loving. It also means to be faithful to the covenant promises that the Lord has made to his people. And so because of God's hesed, because of his loving, faithful mercy to us, he will always keep his promises. And notice that it doesn't say there that he is merciful towards us for a moment. If it did, where would that leave us? And if the Lord was merciful to us one moment, but then in the next moment he was hateful to us, if he forgave us one moment, but then we weren't sure if the next day he would condemn us again, we would never know where we stand with the Lord. But it doesn't say that he is merciful to us for a moment or for a day. It says his mercy is everlasting. And because it is, I can know where I will always stand with the Lord when the Lord Jesus is in my life. Let's thank him for being good, for being merciful, for being loving, and then for being faithful, being faithful. Look at verse 5 once again. It says, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. The word truth there really refers to God's faithfulness. The word means to be steadfast, to be firm. It's because of his faithful character that the word, uh, that the Lord is always true to his word. He's always faithful to his promises. He's always faithful to his people. And because he is, we don't have to question or wonder again where we stand with him. Now, the truth of the matter is we haven't been faithful to the Lord. Think about it, every time we sin is an instance of unfaithfulness to him. Every time we put anything in our life above the Lord or ahead of the Lord, whenever we treat anything in our life like it's a God, like it's the most important thing to us, that's an instance of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And all of us have been unfaithful to the Lord, and yet the Lord is faithful to the faithless. And aren't you thankful that he is? Aren't you thankful that he has been faithful to you? That's another reason we have 
to thank him this Thanksgiving. Before we come to the table uh, together, I want to be reminded of one more reason we have to be thankful. And we need to be thankful for the cross. Again, the psalmist tells us to thank the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy and for his faithfulness. Well, church, where have we seen the Lord's goodness and mercy and faithfulness more on display in all of history than at the cross? It's at the cross that we see his goodness, his mercy, and his faithfulness like nowhere else. At the cross, God showed us that he is so good that he would give his one and only son to die in our place, to pay for our sins so that we could receive his mercy and his grace instead of the judgment that our sins deserve. It was at the cross that even though we have been faithless to him, the Lord was so faithful to us, faithful to suffer in our place, to die the death that we deserve. And it's because he is faithful to the faithless that we can be forgiven. And so out of all of the reasons that we might write down on that piece of paper for why we have to praise the Lord and thank the Lord this Thanksgiving, there should be nothing higher on the list than the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what this table, this meal that we're about to take really is a picture of. When we break this bread, it's a picture of the broken body of the Lord. When we take this cup, it's a picture of the blood that he spilled out, the sacrifice that the Lord made so that we could be forgiven. And so just as we prepare our hearts for coming to the table, I just want us to take a a couple of minutes, just a a silent prayer. And I want to ask you to get alone with the Lord. And uh, you can go to your knees. You can kneel there in your chair, whatever posture of prayer you want to take in these next couple of minutes. And I want to ask you to do a couple things. One is just to ask the Lord, is there any unconfessed sin in your life that you haven't asked him to forgive you already? And then also, as we even just look at that list of things we just talked about, let's thank him for these things. Take a minute and thank him before you come to the table. Thank him for being good to you. Thank him for being merciful and loving to you. Thank him for always being faithful to you. And thank him most of all for the cross. Let's take a minute, just personal, just a time of prayer, and then we'll come to the table together.